Hello and welcome to Smart Businesses Do This. Today, we're gonna to be talking about how to scale your company and fire yourself from your own company while still actually getting paid, because that would be weird if you got fired and didn't get paid. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. I'm here with my good buddy, Austin, who just so happens to be from... Austin. Austin, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? <laughs> Love what you're doing. Excited to be here. Thanks, man. Super happy to have you here. So um, obviously you have a really cool book um, that is all about this subject. Why don't you just, you know, at the very beginning, just explain to people who are listening to this or watching this, what exactly is it that you do? Uh, so we do one-on-one -on -one business coaching. So most entrepreneurs don't know what to do. They, they're really good at the core aspect of their business, but they don't know all the other aspects. And to really create the business and the life that you want, you need to be good at all those things, or at least be aware of them so that you can address them and improve them. So we guide entrepreneurs on their blind spots, on exactly what to do to ultimately create a business that can run and thrive without them. And once you get there to where your business can run and thrive without you, that puts you in the power position because then you can scale much faster. You can make a lot more money. You can take a step back and have time freedom. You can do whatever you want. You can exit for millions of dollars. All of that becomes possible if you build your business in the right way. Most people don't know how to do that. So we teach you. What would you say is like the biggest issue that you come across time and time again of entrepreneurs that's like holding them back from succeeding? Well, the biggest issue is always the mindset, uh, but that's a, a whole other topic. But I would say the second biggest issue is they are stuck in the weeds. They're trying to do too much themselves and they don't know how to get out of the, the, the weeds. So if you're stuck in the weeds of your business, you don't have a business. You have a self-employed job. So it's like somebody who's focusing on the day-to-day, -day, they're bottlenecking everything because they're not planning out to the future, that kind of thing. Uh, the, partly. Uh, they're, they're reactive. They're doing the work. They think clients need them. Uh, they, they don't let go of certain tasks. And as a result, their business is dependent on their time which does not mean that it's able to scale to the next level, which means that they're not able to make as much money as they want, which means they're not able to take time off and have the freedom of the, in the lifestyle that they started in business. So until you escape working in the business, you're not going to be able to achieve any of your business goals. So aside from mindset, what would you say is like the thing that an entrepreneur needs to do, like an action step? If there's somebody listening to this right now, in fact, I know for a fact there's uh, one of my favorite people listening to this right now because I can see his face. Um, and, uh, and I know that uh, he wants to grow his company. I know he's been frustrated. That revenue is kind of like stagnant. Um, and every time I try to get him to sit down with me to work on the company, he's like, I can't, I'm too busy. I'm making sales calls. Yep. So what, how can we help my buddy? Yep. First thing is we need to stop. And it's one of the hardest things to do in business is to just stop and take a, a step back to see your business. When we come into a new business, we work with six and seven figure entrepreneurs and, and we come into these businesses, they're, they're already you know fairly successful to that first level, but they have so much going on, most of which is not impactful. So complexity is the enemy. That is what is, is killing people uh, right from the start. So we've got to be able to simplify. When we come into a new business, we usually identify anywhere between 20 and 60% of what they're doing can be cut out and it not have any detrimental effect right? 20 to 60% that we instantly can free up time and capacity and money and resources and team's focus to be able to focus on what is actually working, what actually matters. So we got to simplify first and foremost, but a lot of people aren't able to see that 
because they're in it. Like you're, you're not able to see things. So if you understand the numbers and what's working, if you really uh, view things and analyze what is actually essential here to help you achieve the growth and vision that you have. It's, it's... I, I love what you said, analyze the numbers, because I, I do a very similar thing. Um, repeatedly, probably about once a quarter, I look at everything in my company and I go through everything and say, does this make me money? Why am I doing it? And if the answer is it does not make me money, or the answer is why I'm doing it is because we always do it or because someone once told us we should and we've done it ever since, yeah. it gets canned. Yep. And it is mind-blowing how often you can can 50% yep. of the work that you're doing. Yep. Um, and, and it's so important to do that. And uh, I, I found, uh, and you know, maybe, maybe you can comment on this, things that potentially could be good mm. that you start doing and someone's like, if you just do it for six months, it'll work. But then it doesn't. Mm. You have to cancel those things. Yep. And that's hard because six months ago, that was the thing. That was like the thing you were going to do. Sure. But if it isn't working, you just can it, right? Is there any trick you found to find the stuff that somebody should can? Uh, well, the numbers. Yeah. The, the numbers are facts. They show you what's working, what's not, where to focus, what's to fix. They take out the stories and the emotional ties and they give you the, the clarity. So you're mentioning like you start this new project and you have so many dreams and visions for it. What you need to do is to set some targets of like, all right, what's our actual targets and what's the minimum criteria that if we don't hit this, we can it. And most people don't have the exit criteria. And then they're, they have the bias of, you know, the sunk cost bias. I've already done this. I already sunk $20,000 yeah. into it, yada, yada. No, you need to have that clean objective view like you do every quarter. Like that's really hard to do, but the numbers are your superpower as an entrepreneur and business owner to give you so much clarity. I think reviewing your tasks every 90 days is like a no brainer. I, I truly believe everyone should. I'll tell you this, you'll love this. Um, so I'm in the middle of one of my overhauls right now. Um, I sort of like, I don't really work in December because I've got kids and Christmas and everything. So really February is like my, my, my Q1. Mm. And um, what I really love about it is one of the things that we addressed was social media. Mm. And we we did a full analysis and last night, um, it was actually my wife, she pushed me into it. She made me make a video that we theoretically knew would work. Mm. And we got five times more views on the video we made last night at 10 p.m. Wow. than any of our best performing videos ever wow. within 24 hours. I mean, I mean, less. it's not even 24 hours now. And that one video, was against every standard operating procedure of how to create videos we have. Mm. There was no editing involved. There was no other film crew involved. It was just me on a phone late at night, but we knew that this video was likely to crush it. Mm. Um, but again, if we'd have stuck with our regular SOPs, we'd be paying a lot of people to do a lot of work mm. that performs five times worse over months yeah. as opposed to what we can do in a single 24 hours. Yeah. And, and what you're sharing there is the difference between something that works and something that doesn't, right? So it's usually very, very clear if something is, is taking off. So now that you've learned that, you're going to do more of the things like that, right? And duplicate that over. But the point is, is like, if you have an offer that comes out and it's like, it's okay, but it's not very good. You either scrap it or totally redesign it until you get that traction. That's like, boom. This is different, it, right? It, it's so key as well. Like I was hanging out with my buddy Perry Belchi yesterday. And so we're having lunch together and we're sitting and talking. And Perry said to me, he goes, you know how I know when a business is going to work or fail? I was like, how? And he goes, when I launch it, it just works. Yeah. And he says, anytime I launch it and it doesn't work, I should just scrap it. Exactly. Is that because no matter how hard I work at it, it never works. And he's like, so I would rather launch, see how it goes. If it does good, turn that into a business or scrap and start again. How often do you find people that are holding on to a business that isn't really performing 
and they're just trying to rework it and rework it and rework it. Um, most times, like at some point, almost every entrepreneur, it seems, hits a wall and yeah. they get stuck in the weeds and at the same revenue level because one of the biggest challenges as entrepreneurs is like to get to the next level, you have to transform yourself to the next level, right? And so you have to constantly be evolving and developing yourself. And if you don't, then you get stuck at some point in time. And then there starts to become, again, just the, the, the minor show that you get lost in. So we got to change things and we got to keep developing yourself. That's why, again, mindset is that first thing. It never changes. Dude, here's something that I'd love your, your comment on because it's come up a few times even in this conversation, which is sticking to what works versus trying something new and evolving. Because these two things are a dichotomy where on one hand, everyone's like, that which works, you should keep doing, go back to basics, do the thing that makes you money, which I think is important. And you must evolve, you must do new things, you must try. How do we find a balance between those two things? Great question. The first thing that we, we talk about is building something, your core business to be a machine. What that means is that it's consistent, predictable, scalable, and not reliant on you. Once that's the case, then you can start new projects or you can double down to scale this one. But most people uh, have something that's pretty good uh, and then they move on and take their eye off the ball of the golden goose. No, we have to make sure that it's those things. It's a machine first, then we can go start new. So if you do that and you're starting to stack on new products, new channels, new businesses that are true machines, you're building assets that compound on top of each other. But most people, again, are jumping without leveraging systems and people. To, to See, I, I love this. I was in, a, a again, another conversation yesterday. This one was not with Perry, but it was with another eight-figure business owner. And they told me that for 2024, their plan was to not do what they normally do and have done the last 10 years to make money. And they're going to focus on this new thing. And the minute they said that, I was there with a couple of other friends. One of my friends was like, you can't do that. Mm. They're like, if you don't do what has always worked for you for the next year, in a year's time, you will be behind. You will be trying to catch up. A competitor's going to turn up that's going to do what you did to fill that void. And they were like, no, I think this is the right thing to do. And we've got everyone around them being like, yo, this is bad news. Like a year away from doing the thing that you're really good at is scary. Yep. Would you advise somebody to do that or no? Yeah. <laughs> Keep the golden goose, the golden goose. Yeah. Until something else takes its place, the golden goose is the golden goose. And you've got to have that time and attention. We have a lot of people that have built a multi seven figure business. And as soon as they get there, they think that they should go and start these new projects and they start to sink hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes into these new projects and their main golden goose goes down. So they literally lose millions of dollars by taking their eye off of it. So in any particular business, you need somebody that's a CEO and a CEO is spending the time to look at what's working, what's not and growing it to the next level. And if you're not going to do that, either sell it or put a CEO in place, but you can't take your eye off of something that's really valuable. So with that being said, one of the things that you specialize on is helping somebody let go of the day to day. Let's just say that someone's got a process. Actually, we'll use my friend as an example. So they have a business where they have to repeatedly do launches. And as long as they repeatedly do launches, their revenue is really, really good. Over time, the launches become irrelevant. They do very um, current targeted launches, right? So if the media is talking about, um, you know, AI videos, then they're going to do a launch on AI videos. That's, that's their model. And this year, they're not doing that, which is, which is the scary thing. So if somebody's got a system like that, which is very heavily reliant on them, which is why they do want to take a year off, they literally said they want to take a year and rest. How can that even be automated? Because it is reliant on them. Yeah. Um, so a couple things. Number one is you can have all the systems in place for a launch that it requires very minimal things, like less than 10 hours total of your time. 
Uh, I used to have a business called Epic Launch that we would do launches over and over and over again. Uh, and it would require very little time because we had all the systems in place. It was pretty much the same playbook. So yes, you have to do a live webinar. Yes, you have to do uh, different things, but it's like, it's very minimal time. And usually with launches, if it's done right, there's enough money there that you're willing to spend five hours of time. Like it's not yeah. that big of a deal. But what most people have is they don't have all those systems in place that it requires hundreds and hundreds in this kind of Herculean effort, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the case if you have systems in place and the right people in place. Um, and most people don't have that. So whether it's launches or anything evergreen, uh, again, there can be the proper structure that requires minimal time. But if you're the face and that's what you choose to do, then yeah, of course you have to be there until AI is a little bit better that can replace that, but that's not, not the case right now. Um, but the, but the other thing is, is, is just continue to look at what really drains your time or what, what drains your energy because there should be some things, especially within a launch, that are really exciting and fun for people to do. And the ultimate goal is to build your business in such a way that you don't need to take a vacation from, yeah. right? Like I have a book called The Two-Week Vacation Test, but it's not about necessarily taking more time off. It's about building your business in such a way that you have the time, freedom, and energy to do what you want, which in my opinion, a great life is working on business and like growing and learning and challenging and making an impact and making a lot of money. Um, so I want people to, uh, to work and, and not necessarily just take time off. I, I tried the four hour work week and it was miserable. I, I didn't like it after, after like a, a two months, I was like, this sucks. Like, I, I want to be working. I want to be growing. I just want to be in complete control of my time. I, I actually, I hung out with Tim Ferriss a few times and, uh, you know, the very first time I hung out with him, we were sitting down having brunch together and I was like, Hey, I can ask you, do you really just work four hours a week? And he went, no, I'd go crazy. Yeah. And he goes, and actually, if you read the book, that's what it's about. Yeah, it yeah. really is about the fact that when he only worked four hours, he had so much free time, it was driving him crazy. Yeah. But it was the fact that he could streamline the basic processes to four hours, which allowed him the rest of the time to be productive and do other things. So I, I, I love what you're saying. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand what drains them mentally. Mm. The thing that drains people mentally is two things. It's one, um, operating with obstacles that are in your face constantly. So for example, if you've got a bad staff member who you're constantly like, dude, you gotta do this, dude, you gotta do this, dude, you gotta do this, that's gonna drag you down. Um, likewise, I think another common obstacle is you're trying to push ahead while you've got somebody next to you basically saying no. That's like, you ever tried doing push-ups while the person next to you is like, you don't have to do this, dude. Have a donut instead, right? That's hard, that's really, so much harder than doing regular push-ups. Um, so I think that's like a drain and that's what makes people feel drained. And then the other one is monotony. When every day is exactly the same, you can do monotonous tasks providing they're broken up with other things, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, is there anything else that you've found like that? Uh, definitely. So, so we break it down into, uh, 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 if people are stressed out, uh, and don't like what they're doing. We've had people come into to us as kind of like the last savior. They're like, I have a seven-figure business, but I freaking hate my business. And it's not that they hate their business. They hate how they're spending their time. So it's usually reactive or on mundane tasks or on things they shouldn't be doing. Uh, it's uh, also related to people. So are you serving clients that you really love and want to support? Or do you have people on your team that you love working with? If not, you've got one stressful person on your team, like it's, it's kind of toxic, that changes everything, right? Or if you don't have uh, control of your time and you're spending on the things that you want, like that's, that's super stressful. And then the third thing that I would share is like, go back to your vision. Like, what are you trying to achieve? Most people are just working hard and trying to do more for what? For like more followers or for a little bit more money? Go back to your dream vision. Like, why didn't you start in business to begin with, right? Well, it's what you want, a certain amount of freedom. You want to make a certain amount of money. Well, let's get intentional about building your business to do that. And the more that we can connect the dots with 
where we're at and where we want to go in, in the intentionality towards that, we're having fun. Cause if we're growing and we're on a mission, like, like get out of our way, like we're going to do it, you know, but we get lost in, in that. Dude, I, I love this. I, I want to share one of my favorite phrases with you, um, which uh, we normally only talk about internally. So for, for everyone who's watching at home, um, you guys are, are blessed because you're going to hear one of my favorite phrases, which is sometimes a stripper needs to know when to quit. Um, mm -hmm. I'll explain this is a true story. Um, I was hanging out uh, at a, a gentleman's club with some associates of mine um, and my wife. And we're hanging out there and there is a, a professional dancer, I think the, the correct term, who we've known for many, many years. And um, she, she told me a story. She said, I'm, I'm quitting. This is my last night. And I was like, oh, why? And she goes, well, sometimes a strip has to know when to quit. And as I sounds like there's a story here and she is. She goes, there is. She goes, yesterday I was walking through the strip club and a guy spanked my butt. And she goes, so I jumped on him, grabbed his tie, and started throttling him with his own tie. At which point the manager pulled me off and uh, obviously threw the guy out for, um, you know, touching without consent. And then the manager pulled me to one side and said, hey, love, sometimes a strip has to know when to quit. He goes, once upon a time, a few years ago, you would have seen that as an opportunity to make a lot of money. He goes, you weren't in the wrong. You, your, your reaction was somewhat acceptable, you know, given the circumstance. He goes, but instead of you viewing that as an opportunity for you to make cash, you got really upset with it. And he goes, and this is a point when maybe this is time for you to quit. And I love the analogy because I see it so often in entrepreneurs sometimes where there is a task they're doing every single day and they hate it. So they stop procrastinating or they do it badly or they don't put the energy in. The problem is in some companies, that's the only way they know how to make money. In a situation like that, where you've got like my friend who does launches is like, I don't want to do launches anymore. What can they do? Like, how can they either keep doing it and find the energy to continue doing the work? Or how can they transition to do something else if that's the solution? Yeah, uh, systems and people. Systems and people are leverage. All right, so I'll give you one example. So we had one business that we worked with there at $6 million, okay? Uh, they were the main drivers of the business of the revenue. It wasn't that they were f uh, 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 facing like the audience. They weren't the face of the audience necessarily uh, and doing launches, but it was very similar. Right? They were they were the main drivers of revenue. And they told me, hey, we can't let go of this because like this is the core of the business. And everything in your business can actually be let go. So finally, they relented and they trained. They put the systems and, and people in place to one level below them uh, was doing the money-making task. All right, within three months. Within three months after that, VAs in the Philippines were doing these money-making tasks that they so held on tightly to. And ultimately what they did is to scale up to 20 million and then 60 million by letting go of that. So no matter what the core of the business is, if you put the proper systems in place that set others up for success and put the proper people in place that can run those systems, again, if you do it well enough, it can go on down to a pretty low level, uh, not necessarily with a launch being the face, but everything else, you can be in your zone of genius or you can completely let go of those things and still crush it at the same time. And by doing so, you create way more leverage and way more ability to scale. Right, exactly. It's like, uh, you know, you're not going to go to the head office of McDonald's and find any of them making burgers. Yeah, yeah but exactly. If, if the burger quality was terrible, then it wouldn't work. It's actually, um, I, I had a buddy of mine that actually worked at McDonald's head office in the UK yeah. and they gave us a tour of like one of their demonstration kitchens and it's mind-blowing. If you've never worked fast food, have you ever? No, no, no. no I, I haven't either. But it was mind-blowing to see the SOPs in place 
they have stopwatches next to everything. Wow. And the stopwatches go, that you can't change them. They go, and it's like, I think if I remember rightly, it's like 11, 11, uh, every 11 minutes, one of the stopwatches, and that's like the French fry stopwatch. Yeah. And it's like, on the 11 minute mark, there's a checklist of what must happen. And so it's like, the alarm goes, they go in, they do the checklist, they go back to what they're doing. 11 minutes later, the alarm goes, they do the checklist, they go back to what they were doing, Absolutely. right? But that's how they guarantee that the consistency is exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, let me yeah. stop real quick. There's one really important thing that we're not touching on just yet is everybody will say, oh, that worked for them. That doesn't work for me in my right. business, right? But literally we've worked with hundreds, actually over a thousand businesses at this point and every single business, almost every single function besides being the face of something can literally be delegated on down to somebody else. So you just have to make that mindset shift. They're like, all right, if I did want to do this without me, what would have to be true? So taking it from a different perspective, because we got to shift that mindset. Otherwise people won't hear what we're talking about. I, I love it. And I do want to, um, I do want to even add, you don't even have to be the face. And uh, an example of that is Geico. Mm. Uh, you know, the face of Geico is a tiny gecko. Yeah. And so, you know, I would challenge any company yeah. to really consider, do you even need to be the face? Yeah. Like you might want to be the face, but yeah. you need to be. So, so, so one of my friends, uh, they have an eight figure company and he is the face of about probably like 10% of what they do. They do webinars almost every single day. They do speaking across the U S and globe, and they have now speakers that go and do uh, on the stages. They have people that are running the webinars. So again, over time you should, in fact, lower and lower the reliance on you. And that's, that includes being the face. Yeah. I love that. And I, I do think that's super important. Like, again, like I'm an example, like I actually enjoy doing it. But I do think if you're getting to the point where, you know, you're like, okay, I've had enough. I don't want to be the face anymore. You 100% should replace yourself. And I think nowadays with AI, um, with all the capabilities of video and animation and text to video, you should consider some kind of animated character, creature, caricature, what have you. So you can not be the face if need be. Yeah. And there's other experts that you can bring in. Like there's a lot of positives to have other faces as well. Right. Uh, and a lot of people think, I, I used to think this, like they want me or they need me or it's my charisma or my you know brain or whatever. They actually want the result for them. What's the result for them? How can we best give them that? You. Dude, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. So um, what I would love to do is maybe give people um, like a, a, a simple plan that somebody could follow themselves. They're listening to this. They go, okay, I want to start doing this. You know, my buddy's a good example. You know, he wants to make sure money's coming in. He's occupying his time by getting on the phone making sales what would be a simple thing that he could do he could sit down and say okay i'm gonna stop for an hour and i'm gonna rethink yeah. what what should he do uh, obviously call you but yeah, yeah. Right first of all evaluate uh, exactly where the time and energy is going evaluate your marketing channels what are you focused on what marketing channels do you have which ones are not producing sales stop those it's usually at least half of them all right there's usually one two or maybe three channels that you should be focusing on in fact one channel can get you to multiple millions so if you really nail it so simplify your marketing channels look at your products and and what you can actually simplify there uh and then uh set up the structure from a calendar standpoint to be working on the most important things so what we recommend is taking one full day every single week where you have no meetings so you have no reactivity and if you actually do this where you can get into deep workflow you can get uh work on on the the highest impact things you can get more done in a day than most people do in like two week period. I so just so react. Love this. And I, I agree so much. Uh, and for anyone listening here, uh, exactly what Austin just said is probably the biggest leverage point. I do two days like that every week. And it is because of that, that my company functions. 
I have found that anytime I am busy on those days and I can't do that creativity, uh, you can see an impact in the revenue. It takes about a month or two later, but you see it. And it's like, there's a dip. Everyone's like, why is money down? I'm like, well, remember when two weeks ago and it's always, or two months ago, it's always the same. Like the, the days that I am working above the business, planning what's going to happen and putting it in place are worth so much more. Um, I actually have a, a really good example of this um, that's a really silly example, but you'll appreciate it. We own a Dungeons & Dragons shop. It's actually downstairs from where we're filming right now. And in that shop, I run a painting class for children. I do it because I love it. I have kids. Um, my kids come to the class. It's super fun. Um, but it's somewhat of a good revenue generator. Um, it can generate 25% on the day that we run it of the gross revenue of that day. So it's a it's a 25% bump in sales, right? So it's it's worth it. I mean, it's not worth my time. I could go and consult and make a lot more, but but for what it is, it's fun and my kids like it. However, every month, the promotion for that has always had to be done by me because I'm the only one that knows what I'm painting. I'm the only one that knows this. So we go from what should just be a four-hour paint class into a four-hour paint class plus six hours of prep, which is ridiculous. So today, before here, I sat down and I wrote out a 12-point checklist on everything that needs to be done in preparation for that paint class. Now, that checklist took me 45 minutes to create, but saved me six hours every time, every time, including for the March class. So I could have sat down for six hours and done the work that I normally do, alternatively, take 45 minutes, just map it out. And what was really fascinating is when I first started writing the promotion for it, I was like, well, we need five emails, three text messages, two follow-up messages. Like I wrote this whole list, which is what I normally do. And then I went, well, that's a lot for someone to do. And do we really need that? So I started looking at what gets replies. I'm like, well, we probably only need three. And we can probably use the same message for all of them if we're comfortable sending short emails instead of long emails. So I was like, well, that makes it really easy. And so I actually streamlined the process even further. And I'm, it's probably going to have no impact on the bottom line. It's just going to save time. So yeah, it, it's massive, but it's, it's a crazy mindset. When you sit down and think, I've got six hours of work I must do versus I've got uh, 45 minutes of work that isn't on the list, but will save me six hours. Um, and actually, because my buddy is in the crowd, um, I, I think about him a lot and I'm always like trying to help him out. And uh, I got a really, really good tip, uh, again, from, from Perry, because I was hanging out with him all day yesterday and the day before, about how they reduce the amount of time that they need to get on a sales call. And they have a pre-sales webinar that all people who get on a sales call must watch before the sales call. Because they found that no one buys unless they've watched seven hours of content. And so this one video is X amount long, it's not short, and they must go through it before they're allowed to get on a phone call. And there are questions in it that allow the person to know whether someone's watched the video or not. And so the whole idea is the salespeople on the day of the call, send a text message. Did you watch the entire thing? Can you send me your notes from that call so I can be prepared for our phone call? And if they say, no, I haven't watched it yet, then they say, no problem, we're gonna have to schedule a call for another day. Please click this link and reschedule. What's great about it is now you get so because if someone's not gonna watch a one hour video before a phone call, they're not gonna buy. They're never gonna buy. If they're really serious about buying, because it's not about money, it's a free video they're gonna watch the video. If they have watched the video, the likelihood of them buying is significantly higher. So really what we're doing is in a single message sent on the day, you're saving 
an hour of time because you don't waste that phone call. And I thought that was pure genius. Um, it's not something we currently implement. We are absolutely implementing it like right now um, because now you've got this really strong qualifier before anyone gets on a phone call. Yeah, yeah, I love that. We call it 80% sold. So nice. before you get to a sales presentation or opportunity, uh, somebody should already be pretty much there, right? If they're If you're waiting for your sales to... Uh, be a hero and to teach them all this stuff and transform them and inflict pain and all the things, it's too late. And it's really, really low close rates, a lot of work, doesn't work out. But if you can set things up in such a way that you have the systematic way that they're getting hot and ready and qualified themselves, sales is easy and it just makes for a better experience across the board. I I love it. And we don't know uh, exactly what's in his video. He hasn't sent it to us yet. But we used to do a version of this, which is a good good example of something we used to do that we stopped doing, which is crazy, which we should bring back. But there's a really cool short video anybody can create, which is who I'm not good to work with, who I don't work with. And you give somebody a little five minute video that's like, hey, we're about to jump on a phone call today. And uh, I would absolutely love to save you some time. If uh, I'm going to tell you the kind of people we can't help, the kind of people we can't work with, the kind of people that we don't work well with. And if you're any of those people, um, you don't even need to get on the phone call today. There is no point us working together. And what's great is that's more curiosity inspiring than here's how we're going to help you, right? Because you're basically saying, look, if you fit any of these criteria, get an hour and a half of your time back. And then you say, we don't work with people who, and you just list all the people you don't ever want to work with, right? And it's polarizing, right? right. So we're trying to polarize where they're at and where they want to go. And we're also trying to polarize your option versus the other options that they have, which is doing nothing or buying somebody else or whatever. So you're doing both of those by disqualifying some people. And they're like, I'm that person. I'm in. Exactly. If you got to, and then the logical conclusion is, well, if I'm not any of these people, then I, it must work for me. Yes. I am the right person. I have to do this. Yeah. So it, it's a really cool trick, which I, I love. And I forgot that we used to do that. Um, but also we just used to have it on a website for them to choose to watch. Now it's mandatory. Just before we get working together today, I just want you to watch this very brief video. If you fit uh, any of these criteria, uh, then, then we're not right. Actually, we do know one for us. If somebody enjoys correcting spelling errors, they are not good for us. <laughs> and that's like, we know that for a fact. The likelihood of there being complaints and issues with a, co- with a customer and their desire to point out spelling issues. So um, we had a guy go through our sales funnel yesterday. He sent me a screenshot. And he's like, hey, you have a spelling error on the thank you page. And I sent it through to, to my wife and I was like, hey, what's the standard operating procedure for fixing this? And she says, we don't, we leave it there on purpose. Because anyone who sends a message like that guy does, we don't sign them up. <laughs> and that, that stays there on that final thank you page. It's, we spell the word check correctly, the E's in the wrong place. But it's like, if they, it's like, oh, by the way, this is an issue. We're like, yeah, we're not going to work. And it's because we focus on results. We're not a detail-oriented company. We're a big picture, make money company like you want to increase your profits we're the people if you want to make sure that all the grammar on a page is correct go to somebody else <laughs> you know you can take our work and get the grammar corrected later but but we'll bring the money in fast so also i love that so if people do want to get hold of you um you know maybe read your book what, what should they do where should they go uh the the books are on amazon i would check them out there for sure also our website 2x.co it's the simplest uh, 2x.co 2x.co uh, so there's some free resources there but the books are great so one's called from six to seven figures uh they're very visual tangible steps of exactly what to do uh one's called the two-week vacation test so whether you're trying to scale to the next level where you're trying to take your time back and improve your team and operations uh which is most people i got our building a business uh one of those books will really resonate you know what i like about 2x and i do want to say this because i definitely heard the comment you know what well, you could do 2x with also i could do 10x with the other guy yeah. um who i'm not going to mention 
But I actually like 2X more because 10X is almost unbelievable. Yeah, I think a lot of people, it sounds appealing. But nobody's 10Xing. Right. Nobody's 10Xing. Right. They're talking about it and getting people hyped up and I love it. So we say 10X is a way of thinking, 2X is a way of doing. All right. So 10X, so you, so you want to think bigger. You want to think strategically. You want to think outside the box versus what you're doing now. Because again, you just, you just want to have proper strategy and model scale, but most people are just thinking tactically and incrementally. So we want to think big, but then we want to bring it back to what are we actually going to do? And then you want to go and do that and focus on one step at a time. So we focus on consistent, predictable growth, double from where you're at. And then once we get there, same thing, how do we double again and double again? If you're doing this execution focused thinking, uh, you're going to far past everybody that says, oh, I'm 10 xing this year and all the things. No, build it consistently, build it predictably, build it without you in the weeds and we thank you. Dude, I absolutely love that. Um, so there you guys, there you have it. Uh, round of applause for Austin. Thank you ever so much for tuning in. Seth, smart businesses do that. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.